Welcome to a bonus episode of the Encourage podcast. We love sharing new books with you. And today, Encourage Community Manager Becky Keefe talks with one of our favorite authors. Listen as they have a conversation that's sure to encourage your heart, and you'll learn more about a book we love. Encourage friends. It's Becky Keith, and I already have a ridiculous smile on my face because I am hanging out today with the ridiculous, the awesome, um, the incomparable storyteller, Jamie Nato. Hello, Jamie. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. I think you can hear people smile. When someone's smiling, you can hear it. You can totally hear it. And you can also see a smile through the, through the eyes, which thank God through the days of COVID, I, I would still smile behind my mask. You know, I'm like, you can see me. I am smiling. It's um, it's totally true. Um, it's also true that you just had to remove your snoring dog, Greta, from your bed because, you know. She doesn't think I'm as awesome. She gets bored with my stories and falls asleep kind of mid um, mid podcast. So I said, Greta, no, you are fired. And she was so mad at me. Like, I was like, move. And she was all no i'm in the middle of a nap so well i like that you that her name is greta because it reminded me of i used to have a chicken named gertrude and i think that all animals should be named like old lady names not that not i should say old lady old older fashioned names well and also you know i talk about hansel and gretel in this book so it's kind of it's kind of maybe i should start calling her gretel like oh. a kind of Maybe, you know, I need to write a book for dogs to find their way back to themselves. <laughs> it just involves a lot of treats. <laughs> uh, so tune in for part two. So part one is today we're going to be talking about Jamie's Jamie's um, new book, which is about breadcrumbs. And it is called This Must Be the Place. Uh, the subtitle is Following the Breadcrumbs of Your Past to Discover Your Purpose Today. Um, and that sounds like a little bit like of a serious title. I feel like, like, um, you know, discovering and following and, and purpose. And there is like serious heart meat and Jesus and like so much like truth and wisdom. But, um, if you guys don't already know this, like Jamie, you are hilarious. And I like laughed and smiled, um, and chuckled my way through this book. Um, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for bringing life and joy into my life. Well, you know, I think as an either it's my Enneagram 7 or the ADHD part of me, but if something is boring, I am not coming along for the ride. Like I would rather just stay in my bed or make my own fun, but I cannot do like super serious. I can do super serious books, but I lose my steam kind of a little bit through because I need this to be fun as a reader. Make a book yeah. that is like there. I have very serious stories in here, but I also have super fun ones that, you know, they they can be both. Like you can hold a serious thing in in one hand, and then this hilarious thing that's happened to you in the other. And it's called life. It's complicated, right? And so, for example, like I love. So you tell you tell many stories, but one of the stories you tell is is the birth story of your first child um, and how it did not go the way that you planned. And the nurses did not listen to you telling you that this baby was in fact coming. Um, And so as things are going, you know, awry and a child is emerging from 
the depths of your body. You are also asking your mom to sneak you M&Ms and then later commenting on the doctor's handlebar mustache while you are being stitched up. This is the flavor (laughs) that we are getting. Because don't you remember, it was sort of traumatic for me because I was totally planning on getting an epidural and then I didn't get the epidural and also had, I have no skill. I didn't read up on what happens if you have to go to plan B. I didn't have a plan B. So I think sometimes in trauma situations, do you not remember the weirdest things? Like if you can think back on something that was very difficult to walk through and you remember what you remember about that. I have details in my brain that should not be there, but right. now they're stuck. Right, right. Um, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and you just give us all the freedom to be like slightly inappropriate in everything <laughs> that we think and say and do. So I can't, I have a hard time breaking integrity with myself in situations where I really should. I really should be appropriate in some situations, but. I am the same. I'm the same everywhere. I'm the same on Instagram. I'm the same when I write. I'm the same. And you've been with me before. Like, I just don't know where the line is until someone has their jaw open and is like, um, <laughs> but they're laughing. But they're, they're laughing. laughing. Right. They're, they're, they might be slightly shocked and appalled that you crossed the line five feet ago. But but we are all we are all laughing. Um, OK, Jamie, this is like the lamest question, but like, I don't know what how else to ask it, but like. What is this book about? Like, I know, but in your own words, um, obviously you have a lot of words, but like, like uh, this must be the place. Like, what is this about? How do you, how are you weaving? Why are you weaving funny stories and hilarious details in with a book about purpose and finding your purpose today? I think because I got lost along the way. And what I did was try to fit into ecosystems or fit into kind of a vision of what I thought I should be or trying to emulate someone else. I just got lost along the way and finally got sick of doing that and just asked God to show me the way because (sighs) I wondered if I would ever figure it out. Like, will I ever be comfortable with who I am? who you made me to be, because what I would do is shrink and diminish. And I also found ecosystems that let me shrink and diminish, which is exciting for me. But I think we do that. We find things that are comfortable for us because that's easy. But God kept showing me the way with these little breadcrumbs. And and the first breadcrumb that I really picked up on was I loved to sell and I loved to be in the marketplace and I I couldn't get enough of it. And I felt really bad for that. I thought, well, huh. you must be so greedy and just love taking people's money. And But I couldn't stop myself and I was providing for my family. How dare me? And so I would pray to God to take this burden. Like, God, please, will you take this burden of providing for my family away from me? Because it's just obviously I'm selfish and greedy. And God was like, LOL, why don't you think about what you were doing when you were like eight to 10? And I thought, oh, you know, kids were playing school. Kids were digging in the dirt. Kids were playing doctor, teacher, like school, house. And I was pulling a wagon selling rocks to my neighbors. So (laughs) selling rocks to your neighbors. Yeah, they were their own rocks, but they they were curated rocks and... 
but you know, I had a goal. I wanted to get those new kids on the block cards and they were at the corner store and we, I was on, we grew up on welfare. So very poor family. And one thing that you don't do is go ask your parents for money because they don't have any. So I thought I've got to like make something out of nothing. And I figured it out. It's got to be these rocks. And I have a wagon. It's rusty, but it'll get the job done. And people, my old, well, they were elderly. And I was, some say, sure, you're a scam artist. But I curated those rocks and I would go out all day and knock on doors and they bought them and I got those cards. And it was a good feeling. Yes. So once, well, I, once I got that feel, like once I remembered that about myself, because when you're eight to 10, you're not doing things you don't really want to do. You're pretty pure, you know, barring all trauma, but like you're pretty pure in how you're spending your time. Like the world has not grabbed a hold of you and said, pay a mortgage and stuff like that. So I felt like once I saw that about myself at eight to 10, I felt the biggest permission slip to keep doing what I was doing, keep loving what I'm loving, and that God put that inside of me for a reason, mm-hmm. which, which I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about women making money because women are traditionally more philanthropic than men. And it's not that men aren't generous, but women have a pulse on their community. They decide where the money goes in the home and they are aware and they are generous. And so, yeah, I'd like to, I like, I like being generous with my money. And I think women, other women do too. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Well, I love that throughout the book, you not only tell stories of your own, which then are invitations for us to look at our own past of like, what are our desires? What have I loved always doing? What brings that smile to my face? Um, but you also point out how some of the breadcrumbs are the people that God puts in our lives along the way. So the fact that like you had, uh, I forget her name, but that one neighbor who would always invite you in and talk about the rocks, like, like you could have been Jamie selling rocks, but if everyone had like slammed the door in your face, then you would have been like, maybe this doesn't feel good. Maybe I don't want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be. That's why I say when you see an eight to 10 year old in your life, you know, this, yes, look at, look back at who those people were for you and what you were doing. But when you see those eight to 10 year olds in your life, affirm what they're doing, affirm their gifts, affirm how unique they are. Um, There are quirky things that these little kids are doing that tell you something about their future. And what happens is they are going to think about that affirmation. uh, That's your legacy. They're going to tell that story or they're going to think about that thing that you said for the rest of their lives. Because I think about Miss Yollins opening her door and Miss Yollins sitting there and chatting with me and building that relationship with her. Even though she asked my name over and over again, <laughs> I she might have had a touch of dementia, but guys, at the time, I didn't know. And um, But I think affirm those things that you see in eight to 10 year old because they are gonna get lost along the way in the future. Right. And it's so normal. And they are gonna think, you know what? I remember when... Because adults are just such like kings and queens to little kids, right? And you can use your power for good or you can use your power to like destroy. And I think affirming those eight to 10 year olds in your life is one of the biggest ways you can influence the future. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I so agree. And now it's like, 
I'm already wishing I could go back in time and affirm some of the things, you know, in my kids when they were younger. But I think it's, um, you know, I was texting you the other day telling you about my 12 year old who has um, started a, a business um, at school of, of selling things. And like, it's he's so unlike my other two, like my other two would never go up to like random groups of kids and, you know, try to try to sell, you know, talkies and pocky sticks that he got on sale for the doll at the dollar store. And, you know, he's already talking about his profit margins and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And part of me wants to be like, no, don't do that. That's, that's weird. And you look awkward. Like it's obvious that you have 18 sodas in your backpack. <laughs> and so like, but reading your book has been like, no, like that is who he is. Yeah. Like he is innovative and he isn't, um, you know, easily embarrassed and he has this like inner drive um that's unique to him and so i love that but not only do we have this opportunity to do this with kids in our lives or look back on our own childhood and see the adults that affirm something in us but always right yeah. now as adults as yep. as college students um you know as we as we maybe have one career and change a career or go through different stages of, of motherhood or marriage. Um, and so you talk about that too. Uh, I love your chapter, um, the tale of two bosses. <laughs> I love Amen. so many things about, about that chapter. <laughs> I, you know, you just look back and think there were some really good influences on my life. And even if it was a rotten experience, those are still influential to me because I know how I want to, you know, now I run businesses and I know how I want to be. I want to be the good boss. Like I want to be the boss that cared and didn't leave me in the classroom all alone for <laughs> six months and I was dying. And, you know, but, but I learned, you know, I learned a lot about myself and I learned that I could do things that were harder than I thought. You know, I was stronger than I thought I was. I was more capable than I thought mm -hmm. I was. Um, I don't know if I should have been influencing the youth of the future in that <laughs> stage of life, but it's where God put me. And I just, I, I look back on those things with gratitude. It's mm -hmm. kind of like those rotten things in life that happen to you, the suffering that happens. I am a reframer. I know I talk about all, being an Enneagram 7 all the time, but I I reframe constantly. I'm constantly reframing a situation to turn it and either make it fun or good or uh and and I guess you could look at that as like annoying, but for me, I look back on suffering and I say what was God doing? Where was he? Where is the treasure in this? Like, you know, breadcrumbs is this play on like kind of a treasure map when you look at it from a bird's eye view and say, hey, I buried that back there a long time ago and I called it dead. Mm -hmm. And I am saying to you, dear ladies and readers, maybe we should dig that back up and mm -hmm. see if we can find a treasure here. I yeah. guarantee you there is one if you're brave enough to go back and look at it. But that's how I view my suffering. I view that infidelity peace in my life. Uh, I, I am thankful for that. And I mean it. I'm not just saying it. Like I have immense gratitude for that time in my life because I would have never experienced God's presence uh, mm -hmm. through anything else than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I love that you help us see, 
you know, big, horrible, traumatic things like you discovering that your husband was cheating on you um, to things that were hard in a different way. And that sometimes we don't know how hard it is or we just take it for granted. And and but these are all breadcrumbs like you talk about growing up on government cheese. Yeah. Um, and right. Che- cheese on everything. <laughs> and and what was your, what did you like to make for your husband when you first got married and you thought was an acceptable dinner? I thought a robust meal, honestly, was um pinto beans and then you put orange cheese on top like you put a little cheddar on that and nato looked at me like (laughs) where is the meat portion of he literally didn't know what to do and we laughed so hard i was like didn't you eat like a bowl of pinto beans and that was when i discovered i think (laughs) you were poor and your mom had beans and you had government cheese and when you combine the two i still We'll go to a Mexican restaurant and ask for a side of soupy beans and cheese on top. Did it last night? Did it last night? And so, but even like you telling that story and how like it was through your poverty and through, you know, your scrappiness and through like, you know, making do with what you had that like summer fun was like swimming with the neighbors in the horse trough. Like these, (laughs) doesn't everybody but like it made me look back like on even, you know, my own life. Like we were on welfare, but my parents divorced when I was nine and my mom mostly raised me and my sisters and put herself, took herself back to school. And I remember like our like splurge, our weekly splurge was after church. She would take us to Taco Bell and we could get um, two items off the 69 cent menu or three yeah. items off of the 39 cent menu. like. And that, you know, she couldn't afford, um, you know, I wanted to take trumpet lessons and my sister had dance classes and she couldn't afford it. And my dad was a fat jerk and like wouldn't help pay because he wanted my mom's life to be harder. Um, And so my mom like was innovative and she like bartered with like the college student who was going to give us trumpet lessons and was like, I'll pay for one lesson because my sister played too. And then do the other lesson for free and I'll make you a meal, a home-cooked meal, have dinner with us, you know? And like these things that um, like mark us or I look back and I'm like, wouldn't it have just been easier if we had the money? Wouldn't it have been easier if we could go to Coco's because I thought that was fancy um, after church instead of always Taco Bell and always feeling so limited. But now I can look into my own life and see how it has these breadcrumbs have led the way to my own resourcefulness and yeah. my own gratitude and then instilling gratitude in my kids for the simple things. And um, you know what I mean? So I just I I love this idea of of breadcrumbs and I'm a I'm a reframer too. And I think I don't think it's like a I don't think it's I don't think reframing is false positivity. I really think it's it's a posture that helps us to see God's fingerprints in our lives all along. Well, God is the great reframer and he puts stories all, the Bible is a bunch of stories, right? And we are reading these stories over and over and over again. No matter how uh, hard the stories are, God tells us to remember these hard stories and that when you go read them again and again and again, do you not find a new treasure every time you read them? Mm -hmm. And he tells you to remember them and he tells you, to count it all joy. And and like, what does that mean? And he tells you, you know, 
we don't grieve as a people without hope. Like, mm-hmm. well, okay, all right. And he says, I will take what was meant for evil and I will use it for good. I mean, he is the great reframer. And I think sometimes there is a movement actually right now where it's like, don't tell me it's going to be okay. You know, let me sit in my sadness and mm-hmm. mourn with those who mourn. And there is a time for that. There's also a time for, hey, the truth is it can't rain forever. The truth is there is joy around the corner for you. The truth yeah. is like God will show up for you. The truth is God's going to provide for you. And and I wished so bad that someone would have said that to me in my deepest, darkest pit and said, hey, you are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because to me, the walls, it was just so dark and it was so awful. And I didn't see a way out. And I needed someone to have faith for me. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I had a little glimmer. I had a little glimmer. And I needed someone to like throw gasoline on that spark and say, hey, yeah. you're going to make it out of this alive. You are. You're going to make it out of this. Yes. And God's going to be with you. He's going to show up for you. And he is going to redeem this in some way. Like maybe it's not the way you wanted it to be. But God can't help himself but but to redeem. So to me, I say, yes, you get to mourn. You absolutely get to be sad. And we pursue hope. And and we pursue hope. Ugh. I mean, friends, maybe just like press pause and hit that little like rewind button. Go back 30 seconds. Re-listen to that. Write it down because we 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 need that. Um, Jimmy, another thing that I love that you said, you wrote. God is after our joy and our smile more than we're willing to believe. And you share about uh, your daughter, Lila, and about um, that being and continues to be an unexpected part of your journey that you wanted to fix. um, But instead, God has taught you to reframe. Um, So tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, I have a differently abled kiddo. And I think once you get that diagnosis, I mean, you already know something's off, but once you get the diagnosis, something happens and you feel bad for it, but you mourn and you are grieved by it. And I wasn't grieved by her as a person. I was grieved by when I really peeled the onions, I was grieved by my dreams and my hopes for her not those are not gonna be what I thought they are they died okay so that's what I'm grieving but once I did grieve that I went to God and just said and now what like Mm -hmm. what are you gonna do and what I found was I was spending a lot of time trying to find like the amazing herbal tincture vitamin essential oil that was going to fix her and I think God was like she's not broken ma'am And what I had to do then was reframe my thoughts around this. And what I found was Lila has something about God that God wants to show me. And Mm -hmm. she is mirroring him. And she is the most joyful child, the most surprised by life. You just, I mean, she's a hormonal teenager right now too, but she is the person you want watching you open your gifts. When Penelope opened her bike, I mean, she got a bike for her birthday or something. Lila was in the back screaming, clapping, and crying, crying with joy for her sister who got a bike. And I thought, we should all 
be like Lila. But instead, we're like, I wish I had a bike, you know? And right. there's Lila, couldn't care less about her bike and is cheering someone else on. And so, you know, she's a light in our life. And I think I would have missed out on knowing God in a way that I know through her. And I just needed to think a different thought about it. Yeah. And like, I love the story where you talked about, you also had to grieve the fact that like, no one was really believing you or helping you. Like it was, it was, it was hard. And, um, and you were just like pursuing all these leads and it's hard to learn to advocate for ourselves or our child or a parent or, you know, whoever in our lives that we are called to advocate for. And you, you called this, this preschool that specialized in, in kids with developmental delays. And they're like, uh, we're full, but this one, uh, teacher nurse had had compassion cc yes um and ends up evaluating lila and affirms the things that you had seen and was like we are gonna get her the help that she needs and then fast forward to halloween and who does lila want to dress up like for halloween i said lila what do you want to be for halloween and she said cc and i was like you want to be cc for halloween so we had Lola, our grandma, sew her, take a pair of NATO scrubs, my husband, and made him like tiny. And she walked in there as Cece. And Cece, well, I told Cece like the day before. So Cece said, well, I'm going to dress up like Lila. And Lila at the time was wild. She wore a tutu with, you know, colorful socks and just craziness and pigtails. And there was Cece, you know, dressed up as Lila and Lila dressed up as Cece. But a literal angel, like Cece was a truly a breadcrumb at the time when I was feeling so lost and so hopeless and just like, am I crazy? Like, is why is no one taking us seriously? She's something is wrong. Like, help us. And for Cece to be like, something is very wrong. Let me we're going to you're going to find a way. And then she be she co- advocates with me i mean is there anything better than someone coming alongside you that doesn't have to and says this is now my burden too and we're going to burden this thing together yeah and then lila becomes a breadcrumb for Cece because without anyone knowing um that halloween when she came to work in her tutu um it she was carrying a deep sorrow because she had Cece had lost her mom on halloween and not knowing how she was going to get through this day. And then there was the joy of seeing this little girl who looked up to her and then putting on that tutu herself. Like, I just, it's it's that both and. It's that, it's that holding the suffering and the sorrow and the joy and the hope together. God is just always intertwining our stories. And he, he does it with people. I mean, as much as we try to muster up the strength to walk through this life by ourselves or hide or be alone or... God continues to just intertwine our lives with each other and say, nope, we are going to do this together. And I think that speaks to him, something about him that he wants to live in communion with us, right? Like, it's not just one. We have one God, but, you know, he's like three in one. And I'm like, you're weird, man. Like, what? It speaks to like the inter, right? Interdependence of like, yeah, well, we're going to do this together. We're going to do this together. Uh, Jamie, I could talk to you for another 27 minutes because I love you and I love this book so much. You guys, it's called This Must Be the Place. 
Um, I still have, I have read, I don't know, 172 pages. I have one chapter left. I don't even want it to end because it's so good. But like, and we just, we just like barely scratched the breadcrumb surface. Like you guys are going to read this and you are like going to learn that it's okay to dream and yeah. you go are going to remember that God wired you on purpose for yeah. a purpose. And that, you know, if Jamie Nato can stand up in front of 40,000 people and have the most jankiest PowerPoint yeah. presentation, yeah. then it was mad. Then we can do it too. And you are going to read a story about a blind man driving a buggy <laughs> and yelling that his glass eye is going to fall out. Like, this is the kind of joy that awaits you. My childhood was weird, guys. You should read about it. Oh, my goodness. And then that you tell us about things like, like, like stuffing your, 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 your younger sibling down the laundry shoe. And I grew up with a laundry shoe. You didn't put anyone down that thing? We put the cat down it. Yeah. Well. I think one of my sisters or my cousins maybe uh, jumped down it. But um, what I like to do to, I don't, why? Why are kids so awful? Like my sister and I would like empty out like our entire drawers of clothes and just like put it down and then think that somehow my mom was going to want to like refold it and put it back in our drawers. That didn't happen. My kids do the same thing though. I just looked in the laundry and I was like, there is a tie, a leather belt. They're folded. It's like, clearly, this is from your laundry. Right. I just did. And we are not, I had to be like, guys, I can see. It's not like it goes into the laundry basket and it's, who's going to know? Right. I, you know, it just, and why do I have to tell you you can't wash a leather belt? Why do I have to tell you that? Why do we, why? There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things, friends. But I just, uh, This Must Be The Place is a book that is going to make you laugh. And um, Jamie ends each chapter with all of these questions to help us uh, identify our own breadcrumbs and to look for the ways that God is already working, has been working all along and is inviting us into um, greater purpose. And um, I just, I couldn't love it more. I couldn't love you more, Jamie. Um, so thank you for sharing your heart and your humor and your wisdom with us. You are, you are my favorite breadcrumb treasure. Oh my gosh. You bless me. I, I always think Becky has not only is she like gracious, gracious person, but also you just have the gift of encouragement. You really do. It's not, not everybody has that, like where mm. you genuinely mean something when you say it and you are not afraid to say it. Thank you, friend. Um, friends, I hope and pray that you are encouraged by this. Um, Jamie, tell us where, I know where you like to hang out, but tell the people where you like to hang out online and where they can get the book and all the things. I mostly do the Lord's work on Instagram. This is where you will see me doing target try-ons or making stupid videos. Uh, and no, your most recent ADHD hotline series is like you guys just just go, just watch. Seen and known. If you have a kid <laughs> or a spouse or you are ADHD, everybody knows someone who is the squirrel in their life, and it is me. But yeah, I'm I'm on Instagram and then you can buy the book wherever books are sold. They it's it's everywhere. So exciting, exciting things. Exciting things. Um and of course you guys I'm sure know that Jamie Nato is one of our contributors at Encourage. So you can come and fill up on her encouragement there as well. Do you guys know that if you go to Encourage, always that's with an I dot me slash blog, and then there's a sweet little drop down feature that you can look up articles by author. So if you're not familiar with, with Jamie's work, 
Um, you can go and find everything that Jamie has written for Encourage. I know that you will be um, blessed that way as well. So thank you, friend. Love you. Love you. The Encourage podcast is narrated by Rachel Marie Kong and brought to you by Dayspring. For over 50 years, Dayspring has created quality cards, books, and gifts that help you live your faith. Find out more at dayspring.com.